Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Well, this, this is the third um, in a series that I'm doing on the subject of manifesting. And in the first week, we talked about manifesting who we are and how important it is not just to try and put across our good side, but to acknowledge that each of us has good and bad, yin and yang, light and dark. And it's important to be transparent about who we are rather than just trying to paint ourselves as, as just good and put over some sort of full self uh, as who we are. I mentioned the idea that B. Griffith said that we uh, manifest out there, but it's actually a reflection of in here. What we manifest out there is a reflection of in here. And last week I spoke about our responsibility for the world, uh, what's going on in the world at the moment, what we're manifesting, you know, wars, Afghanistan, COVID, climate change, dictatorships oppressing people, the lack of harmony and respect within politics, in the polarization of views, discrimination, corruption, and the ongoing refugee crisis. And I said we've got to use the wisdom we've developed in what we talked about last week as being the second axial age, the wisdom that comes with global consciousness and the awareness of the universe as one reality, participating um, in us, precipitating in us an emerging concern with compassion and individual responsibility for the other and social justice becoming uh, important to the future of human existence. So we've got those qualities and values, and we have to use them, I think, to take responsibility uh, for what's going on, taking our participation here and with our spiritual lives as important and a vital contribution to make. And today I want to talk a little bit about how we recognize where and how to make that contribution. In the first of these talks, I mentioned my daughter, Jessica, uh, and she's always telling me that uh, I should manifest this or that in my life, as in, Dad, why don't you manifest a new car for us? Um, it seems that's the way currently to make things happen, or at least so she's been told on TikTok. Um, and I suspect it comes from that whole idea of the law of attraction, based on the idea that, that people and their thoughts are made of pure energy, and that it's the process of like, attracting like, uh, that exists. And through this, a person can improve their health and wealth and personal relationships, and maybe even get a new car. You know, books like The Secret put these ideas across, suggesting a connection between the inner world and the outer world. And you can couple that with the B. Griffith idea that what we manifest out there is actually a reflection of in here. Now, I think obviously there's a difference between the naked me-ism that wants to attract nice cars and money and health and the idea of making an altruistic change in the nature of the world we live in for the sake of the evolution of consciousness and, and ultimately the salvation of humanity. But all these ideas are in the same ballpark. We just have to see the curveball being thrown at us and separate out the difference between a home run 
and just getting to first base while playing this metaphor for all it's worth. And I think we have to begin by recognizing that all we feel and see out there, everything that, that you see and feel and hear and smell and everything out there, is in fact moderated by our brains, by our mind. You know, we know that dogs hear more and cats see more. And we're just, we're just when we look out there, we're just picking up all that is in a narrow range that our minds are capable of receiving. The light, the shapes that we see are within that narrow range, as are the sounds and the smells and the tastes, as well as the ideas we have all about it. All of it's up here in our heads. And the truth is, we have no idea as to how our reality the way that we relate to things and perceive them, might differ from what is actually out there. As humans, we use nearly all aspects of our brains. There is an idea floating around that we only use 10% of our brains, but actually that is to misquote William James, who, said, who did not say that the average person develops only 10% of their latent mental ability. He didn't say that we only use 10% of our brains. He referred to a more vague idea that we're only using 10% of the latent mental energy that we have, the capacity that we have. That's to say that there is a huge capacity for developing the conscious ability of our brains, the latent energy that's within it. But for our purposes, it probably means that we only see a small percentage of what's really going on out there. We don't see electricity, unless it's arcing across two things. We don't see electricity. We don't see nuclear energy. We don't see gravity and a whole host of other things and waveforms that are actually having a huge effect on everything. We only have a limited view as is moderated by our brains. What we see is just a picture in our heads. What we hear is just a tape generated by our minds. In fact, our brains, our minds, are a sophisticated virtual reality system that we use to interact with everything else that's going on which is where all the Matrix stuff comes in. There's a new Matrix film come out. Some of you probably may not. You probably will know it, those of you who are watching. You know, if our brains are just software that generates reality, the idea goes, what happens if we can hack into that software and make people think they're in one reality when, in fact, something very different is going on? That's the whole Matrix idea. Suffice to say that for our purposes, it's important to see that everything that we think is out there is in fact in here. It's our minds that create the illusion of out there being a thing. Our minds create both time and space to explain to us what's going on in a way that enables us to relate to it and to survive. Which is where the idea 
that reality as we see it is an illusion comes from. You often hear this in spiritual ideas. That it's all an illusion out there. That's, that's what this is really meaning. It's meaning that it's, you know, the virtual reality, we're interpreting it. What's out there is very real, but it may not be as we think it is. It may be life, Jim, but not as we know it. Star Trek reference, anybody? Would do. <laughs> Just have to know that you guys have watched Star Trek. And it's important to be aware of this as we look at the deeper aspects of how we relate to the world. Because our minds are so clever that they make us forget about the filtering system. And they have us all believe in our own virtual reality and think that's exactly what it is. You know, that's, it's all real. Which is why B. Griffiths says that what we manifest out there is actually a reflection of what's in here. It's not that we generate what we generate outside ourselves, inside ourselves makes everything that happens out there. It's not that you know, what's in here generates what's out there. That's not what he's saying. It's more that the mind mirrors back to us what it thinks is useful for us to perceive. The mind mirrors back to us what it thinks is useful for us to perceive. And that goes beyond just the facts of light, space, time, and sounds, but also includes a commentary as to what's, what to do about it all. You know, that's a good sound, that's a bad sound, that's a good sight, that's a bad sight, that's a good person. We judge all of it. The mind does that. This commentary is just the mind's commentary on the mind's projection on a partial reality of what's going on out there. And all of it is a commentary, therefore, on a partial view, because none of us sees the whole picture. Now, this, this all may sound a bit complicated, but in simple terms, it really means that we see in our minds, we see in our minds what our minds want us to see. And we have no way of knowing how we interact with the universe other than what our minds tell us is out there. Which is why the imperative to expand our consciousness is so important. The idea of expanded consciousness takes what the mind is telling us and puts it into a greater perspective. Yes, it's still moderated by the mind, but an expanded consciousness sometimes blows the mind. In other words, it rewires the mind to see things differently. Things like out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences and peak experiences and experiences of unitive consciousness can reboot the mind in such a way that it sees things that previously it could not see. When you're not expecting to see something, you don't see it. The idea of not being able to see the wood for the trees. When you're focused on the trees, you just don't see the wood. Or when you're focused on the wood, you don't see the individual trees. What you're expecting to see judges what you do see. Sometimes you just don't recognize something because your mind has got no experience of it. Unless you're prepared to see something, 
often you don't see it. Arthur Schopenhauer, the 19th century German philosopher, said, Talent hits the target no one else can hit. Genius hits the target no one else can see. Talent hits the target no one else can hit. Genius hits the target no one else can see. So expanded consciousness, and this is really just an ad for expanded consciousness, why it's important, opens the mind to see things that a more closed mind cannot see. Like the unitive nature of consciousness or the universe being one mass that we're all just a small interdependent part of. You know, we don't see these things unless we're we're actually looking for them. So in the way that we relate to the universe, in the way we see the possibility of having an effect around us, the way we relate to the universe, and the way we see the possibility of having an effect on it, on it depends on how expanded our mind is in its perception and what that reality actually is. So when it comes to manifesting what goes on in the world, our capacity to manifest depends on our awareness of the possibilities and our awareness of the nature of reality. Interestingly enough, the word manifest comes from the Latin sense of manifestus, which means evident, plain to see. You know, we get the the Latin word manifestare, which means to make visible, to indicate, to make plain. And the noun that we used in shipping, a ship's manifest, the list of cargo or goods, is really a public declaration of what is there. It's making evident what is in the ship. So when you're manifesting, you're not magicking something into existence. You're not magicking something into existence. You're making what is already there plain for others to see. The context out of which you're operating enables you to open the eyes of others to see that which is already there. Which, of course, is the basis for all spiritual teaching. That's the basis for spiritual teaching. A spiritual teacher opens the eyes of the student to see that which is already there all the time. That's all they do. But the student didn't have the context with which to see it. Oh, I always knew that. That's, that's the, oh, yeah, of course, you know. It's opening the eyes. So the first step in transforming the way that the world actually works, what we have to do, the first step, is an educational process to get people to see from an expanded consciousness so that they can see the implications of what their current behavior is as well as the possibilities if they change that behavior from an expanded perception of the nature of reality, which is is where it links into Einstein's that a problem cannot be solved by the same consciousness that created the problem in the first place. You have to expand the consciousness. You know, the whole me first, you know, all that business, national boundaries, nations first, it's all from a limited perspective consciousness. It doesn't have that greater perception. 
That's the meaning of that passage that Linda wrote in one, uh, read in 1 Corinthians 13. They see through a glass darkly. They cannot see the whole picture. That changes when we realize that we only see a reflection in a mirror. And that there is a possibility that we can see face to face. We can expand what the mind perceives. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. That expanded consciousness changes the perception. It is the change in consciousness to realize the true nature of the reality that we have to work at coming about. Now, I spoke earlier about my daughter Jessica saying that I should manifest a new car. And you can see how that's not what manifesting is about. Manifest, manifesting is about seeing our relationship, our relation to the universe and realizing that there is more than meets the eye. Seeing that our capacity for comprehending the universe can be expanded if we work on it. And by expanding that capacity, remember capacity being our ability to contain, by expanding our ability to contain consciousness, we begin to see our true relationship with the universe and how we can affect it. You know, that there is not actually an out there is, is the reality. The reality is there isn't really an out there, but we are all within and a part of. There is no out there. We are all within and a part of the great morass of darkness within which there is a light by which we become aware of ourselves and what we're relating to. So we're all a part of that greater morass of darkness. We are all within. We're just seeing through a glass darkly. Our minds are not allowing us to see all that there is because it cannot imagine all there is. It has no reference point for it. So we have to create those reference points for ourselves and for those around us. We have to enable people to see that new reality and to change their perception accordingly. You know, the living is a bit like an expanded version of locked-in syndrome. Locked-in syndrome is a sort of neurological disorder characterized by when people are paralyzed, you know, all their muscles except those that control their eyes. And then people are locked in, are conscious and can think and reason, but are unable to speak and move. And we're locked in to our brains. We can move, we can communicate, but only within the parameters that our minds have set for us in a very particular virtual reality that our minds have given us. When we expand our consciousness, we allow an insight to come into our minds that was not previously there. Insight is literally inner vision, a wisdom that comes from within. Whereas talent hits the target no one else can hit, genius hits the target no one else can see. The genius to hit a target that no one else can see. It comes from a place that's not moderated by the mind, although the mind can appreciate it when it does come. It arrives from our inner self, something that those of us working on expanding our consciousness 
are actively seeking. And you know, it does require work. Just as it required work for those sea creatures to drag themselves out of the sea and onto the land, so we have to work at developing that capacity for receiving insight. And we do that through meditation and spiritual practice. I drag these messages out of my inner life in the same sort of way. We create the capacity for insight, new insights that our minds had previously not allowed us to glimpse. And it is from this capacity building that we do our spiritual practice, that we begin to see the possibilities of how transformation can occur in society. And how we do that and how we use it to affect the universe, I'm going to talk a bit about next week. Thank you. It's interesting that every, everything we do here is designed to expand our consciousness. You know, listening to music, the whole idea is that we allow ourselves just to be bigger than our minds and things like that. It, it brings us out. And, you know, that, that's the whole point in singing in church. You get a sense of togetherness. Uh, and, you know, that's why people do communion. The same sort of reasoning. It enables, it's a ways, rituals, just to expand that conscious. And I came across this uh, in this book, the, the Mystic Heart by Wayne Teasdale, just the, the idea, the importance of that working on, on consciousness. Now, just by the way, I always put a microphone there. If you'd like to join in the conversation or anything, uh, do feel free to stand up by that microphone and, uh, and, and you can join in. But I'll just read this first. Wayne Teasdale says, consciousness affects our understanding of life and reality. Through the practice of the spiritual life, our awareness grows and expands. It takes in more. The more it expands, the greater becomes its capacity to understand, to change, to actualize what we are potentially. Images and likenesses of the divine reality. That's what we are, he says. Images and likenesses of the divine reality. And as our understanding increases, ignorance dissipates, and we can then modify or alter our motives, outgrowing selfish ones. Our will then knows an inner change, a purification that affects a far-reaching transformation in our character and our behavior. The will becomes stable in desiring the good, in transcending self-concern and preoccupation, so that we can respond to others with love and compassion. The will seeks less the goods that are mutable, desiring the ones that are unchanging, wisdom, spiritual knowledge, the virtues, mystical awareness, unitive vision, and attaining higher spiritual life. One more paragraph. A living, mature, integrated spiritual life transforms our action or behavior, conforming them to the requirements of love. It compels our behavior to be in harmony with compassion and practical wisdom, which knows the suffering of others and the appropriate response to those who are suffering. Our actions become consistent with our virtue. We can no longer act inconsistently or in isolation 
from what we've realized. We must act from our inner life and from wisdom itself. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.